welcome to Digital Hustle Africa, a podcast about Africans sharing stories of their hustles online. Hear from Africans that are teaching, working, learning, gaming, and even parenting in the digital age. Hi, my name is Charity Mugasha. And I'm Alex Shaka. Welcome to the second episode of the Digital Hustle Africa podcast. We are so excited to share voices and perspectives of what it's like to get up and just hustle, to figure things out in this digital age here in Uganda and in Africa at large. We will be focusing on how technology is being used to bridge the economic divide between Africa and the rest of the world. With me today is my co-host, Alex, and his brother, Mbanda. Alex, how are you today? I'm great. How are you, Charis? I'm good. Not too bad. Um, so, Alex, share with us. What's the topic today? Yeah, so today we're talking about values-based social entrepreneurship. And this is really about uh, what are those values that you hold dear to yourself, to yourself and what you also expect from other people who you're working with or dealing with in your entrepreneurship journey. Thank you, Alex. Um, so as shared, um, we'll be really talking about how personal values can shape your business um, straight from the foundation and throughout its evolution. So in line with today's theme, joining us today is Mr. Mbanda Shaka, a certified Ugandan hustler. If you guys think you've hustled, wait until you've had more from Banda. Banda is the CEO and founder of the TOD Idea Limited, that's Todd Idea Limited, a company dedicated to providing digital solutions to educational challenges in Uganda. Mbanda's accomplishments range from being a food nutritionist since 2002. He has also worked as a money lender. He has worked as a used car importer. He has sold fresh fish. Yes, you had me right, fresh fish and even Mukene. He has also worked in the transport and logistics sector. Um, he has worked in retail and wholesale. He sold alcohol all the way in Narua. And he's also ventured into agriculture where he failed tremendously. And it brought him to where he is now as an educationist, as an entrepreneurship, as an entrepreneur in the, in the education sector and as an entrepreneur in the cosmetics industry as well. So we are very excited to host you, Mbanda, as our very first guest. Please tell us, how are you? Hi, everybody. I'm very excited to be here. Thank you for a very glowing introduction. And um, because there are things I could just not say about you, please tell us about yourself. Oh, well, as uh, you've heard, I'm a certified hustler. <laughs> um, I'm uh, 43 years old. I've been hustling for I don't know how many years. <laughs> um, I, I, I got the business bug biting me as early as uh, my early 20s. And um, that's the life I've known, uh, a life of business. Yeah. Two children, but I'm also a father of very many. Yeah, uh, which is one of my values, um, helping people. So we are hosting you here today as, as a certified hustler in this digital age. How would you define yourself, yeah, in that regard? Well, I'm a digital hustler because I use uh, uh, digital tools and digital platforms uh, to push forward 
my my ideas and and have people follow me um uh, buy my products and, and 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 think my thoughts now for most hustlers yeah like all of us here we've hustled we are hustling in one way or the other Failure is an inevitable part of the process. Mm. And while we were talking to you, you shared how you ventured off into even agriculture at one point mm. and you failed at it. Mm. Could you share more about that journey? I don't know even if you can call it failure. Mm. Yeah, because uh, it depends on the uh, your standpoint, your vantage point, at which how you're looking at it. Because um, I did my farming in... Uh, in Kochli, Nwaya District, Northern Uganda, mm. between 2010 and 2012, in which time I failed, quote-unquote, but was able to come up with an education fund, the Silas Shaka Education Fund, mm. that um, has educated about eight uh, children um, who I got from Kochli and connected with sponsors in, in Kampala. Um, so I don't know if I failed, <laughs> share with us some key experiences yeah during your hustling journey um that you believe the audience could learn from it could be from you know selling water in buveras while you were in arua to your stint in agriculture later after that like tell us a bit about the highlights of your hustling journey <laughs> Well, the highlight was right after when I finished university, I went and worked in Radio One. And in Radio One, I worked as a producer and a part time presenter. Mm. Right now, the, 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 I find that time that I spent in Radio One still serving me. And in fact, actually, I got my wife uh, while on air in Radio One. Awesome. Yeah. yeah. She heard my voice and she wanted to meet me. <laughs> And the rest is history. Mm. Yeah. Um, then after that, I, I, I went into money lending and I was in, in my early 20s and I had all this money coming in. It's a bit exciting when you're young and you have money. Um, my brother always calls them as my Cadbury days. <laughs> the good days, the rosy days. Yeah. Um, that was, that's a highlight in the sense that I, I was excited about money and I was seeing it. Um, and you were young. Yeah, and I was young. Uh, the other highlight, of course, was dealing in cars. I was always crazy about cars uh, when I was starting my cars uh, business, which I was calling hard rides. Um, I remember calling my brother and telling him about it. And, Very creative. Um, I remember that. Yeah, so we sold some cars. It was interesting, but I didn't like uh, the fact, I didn't like that life of a car used car seller. You just sit down and wait for people to come and buy cars that time we didn't have the whole digital thing mm. promoting using digital platforms so we had the massive brokers yeah so it's it was a hyena hyena game yeah so i didn't like it very much then yeah i did many other things in between but um uh there was a small project that i found myself in arua like you mentioned selling uh water well, I was also selling uh, alcohol in Cavera, but not for this show. <laughs> <laughs> but um, the, 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 the idea I loved about the water was that the water was clean mm. and it was in Cavera. Yeah. And the argument was that what makes water expensive is the plastic tea, uh, uh, bottle mm. as well as the advertising that goes in there. Yeah. So if we can remove these, then we will uh, have more people having access to clean water 
Yeah, because if someone is earning 3,000 shillings, how are you going to tell them to put aside 500 or 1,000 shillings for clean water? Absolutely. You know, they'd rather buy other things and take the water they've always been taking. Um, and if you're to look at the statistics about, about children that are staying uh, at home or mothers that are suffering because of different things, waterborne diseases, mm. there is a, a, a big impact that it has on economic loss. So we thought that with the our water in Cavera mm -hmm. would make clean water accessible to the masses. And that's what excited me and took me to, to Arua. But unfortunately, it was a, a great idea for a wrong time. <laughs> Cavera is polythene. Polythene. Plastic uh, bag. Uh-huh. Yeah, and then agriculture and then um, education. Are there any failures that you believe that people who are currently going through what you went through at that time can learn from? Yeah, so the biggest mistake um, that I ever did, or that even sometimes even fall prey to, is the working, doing business only to make money. Yeah, instead of doing business, um, providing society with a product or a service that is amazing and compelling enough that society finds it willing to pay. Yeah, because if, you, if, you, if, if, if you're only into the money, everything makes money. You, know, you could end up running a brothel. You make a lot of yeah. money running yeah, a brothel. Yeah. Or, I don't know, become a fisherman. There's a lot of things that make money. So if you're into the money, then um, you're easily scattered and you never really have impact, and you get quickly discouraged the moment you go enter a trough. Yeah, but if you're in for the long haul, if you're in for the impact, the troughs and the crests don't bother you. So you've touched onto something um, very, very important, which is um, impact-driven entrepreneurship. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. How did you get called into the journey as a social entrepreneur? Oh, I don't know. I don't know where these values came from, but I only know that these are the values that I have. I have, I have always been uh, pro-people, pro-justice, um, pro-equality, yeah, egalitarian. Mm, egalitarian. Mm -hmm. Something like that. Yeah, so um, I, I guess this is something I'm born with. I don't know if anybody talked me into it. I'm, I'm just like that. I, I, I want to help people. And if I can use my business to help people ah, and get paid for it, amazing. Yeah. Wow. Um, so I think shortly after um, coming from Arua, mm -hmm. that's when you you got called into education. Mm -hmm. um, I wonder if you can just share about that journey. When I came from Arua in 2012, um, I came back home in debt and I came back home depressed. And I spent, uh, I don't know how many months, maybe two months, just lying in the couch and feeling sorry for myself. My brother was worried and my friends were worried about me. So... I said, you know what, maybe this business thing is not for me. This entrepreneurship thing is not for me. I've been working all these years and I've not made money. <laughs> not that I've not made an impact, I've not made money. So uh, so I decided to go back to Radio 1 to see if I could get employed again. I'd been in Radio 1 in the year 2000. I'd left the year 2003. This was 2013. Ten years later, I was returning back to where it all began to start again, which I guess is good. A willingness to 
start again. Yeah. yeah, so I went into Radio One and I asked for, for, for a job and they gave me a presenter job for the weekend health net. Mm which was only happening on Saturday. But my point was so that I, I, I can get access to Radio 1, have an office, have access to the internet that is there, uh, and then perhaps use that as a launching pad to do other things. So when I was in Radio 1, in that short time, um, I, I, I was exposed to the internet and the speed of internet. And because I wanted to, to study, so that I can be employed, I thought that I could use online courses. So when I landed on the online courses, as I was going through them in Radio 1, I, I said, wait a minute, many people could use these courses. And many people could use these courses um, on uh, in their sitting rooms, mm. running them on DVDs, DVD players, mm. because DVD players are ubiquitous in Uganda. Mm. Like Almost every house has it. So if um, uh, an employed person that doesn't have time to go to class can have a DVD on, or people who don't on operational management. Access to go to like internet cafes. Yes, and stuff like yes. That. In 2013, even the internet was very expensive and yeah. slow. Yeah. Yeah, expensive and slow. So you wouldn't have people getting access to online resources wasn't easy. So I thought we could give them an offline experience of the MOOCs. What are MOOCs again? Mass what? Okay, those courses, those online courses. Yeah. yeah um, so I started to download courses from Harvard, yeah. operations management, mm -hmm. what, and make DVDs, which I would uh, uh, then go and sell to people that would like to learn in their own free time. I liked the freedom that mm -hmm. that kind of learning would offer you. You can learn whenever you feel like. Yeah. So it was on the launch pad of that that I thought, wait a minute, we can also do this for primary school mathematics, because I landed on the Khan Academy. Mm. And the Khan was teaching all these amazing things. I said, wait a minute, I could make them offline, mm. record them, and then have these children play them in their sitting rooms on the DVD instead of just watching TV and have, be able to rewind for their teacher. In other words, learn at their own pace, yeah. which was not happening in the classes as it is. You know, you're seated with the teacher, he teaches, you ask one or two questions, he seems irritated, you stop asking. Then he goes to the next topic when you've not mastered this one. And then you just hate the subject. Yeah, so um, that's that's it. I, I, it was the basis of that that I ended up going into the education business. That's uh, quite inspiring, actually, um, to see that you identified a challenge based on based off your own experiences. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, you got onto the internet, you learned something, you're like, wait, you know, people can, can learn more like this. And so you started, You decided to extend that, mm -hmm. um, which I think drives us into our next point of conversation, which yeah. is around how are we learning and how is that learning relevant for the times that we're in? Yeah, um, so I'm also very passionate about technology and how it works in the education space. And, and if you look at the our Ugandan context right now, I feel like the, we are still lost in, the, in relation to to technology and education, we're still trying to figure out things, and it's probably one of the worst uh, performed subjects, IT, in, at all level. level. So I, I think the way we are delivering it is, 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 is what's causing the challenge, because uh, it's, it's really, really performed poorly at, at all level. So, uh, so I feel like we haven't yet gotten there, but that's where now the, the private sector now comes in to kind of close the gap. So, so 
uh, initiatives like Toll Idea, TOD Idea, uh, are amazing. They kind of come in to, to close that gap and also expose uh, uh, the learners to a different approach to education. Uh, and, and I'm also in that space with, with Code Impact, and I teach teens uh, coding on the weekend and holidays. Uh, so I feel like, for, to me, the motivation is, is to really bring this contemporary approach to education, to, to our system, and expose our children to it. Because at the end of the day, they're going to be competing with students who are in America, in the US, who have already been exposed to these things. Uh, but, you know, so, so just closing that gap and, and making sure that the, 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 the geographical barrier is not an issue anymore. Mm -hmm. I think it's very, very important mm -hmm. for education because at the end of the day, the competition is you're not only you're not going to be competing with your with your contemporaries mm -hmm. in the same country, but with globalized jobs, village, globalized village, and, yeah. and and so just making sure that we're at par with the rest of the world, or that we're trying to do that is is important for us. Uh, so, Sombani, just continue on that point. Can you just tell us what your experiences are with with um, education, digital education? And, and where you think we are as a country uh, in, in, in that space? <laughs> ah, where are we? Well, hadn't it been for Corona, I suppose uh, we wouldn't be anywhere. Uh, uh, <laughs> yeah, because, I mean, Corona forced us to do some Zoom. Yeah, all of us struggled with Zoom. Just the idea of using a digital tool to collaborate was very difficult. And it tested very many parents and teachers and students' uh, limits. Uh, I guess that exposed us and how we're not doing well as far as uh, digital exposure is concerned. So um, how the government or how we are doing in Uganda with, uh, with, with digital exposure, I think we're doing dismally. Yeah, yeah, we're doing dismally and uh, dismally at, at government level in the sense that I think we look at the problem as a resources problem. Mm -hmm. rather than as, as an ideas problem we're not we're not looking out for maybe entrepreneurs or people with with great ideas on how to solve this problem we're continuously looking at it as a money problem mm -hmm. how are we going to buy computers we're even looking at it as a, a desktop computer in every class we, we're not it's not an ideas issue so yeah. because of that um we relax we sit back and we will we actually don't know yeah, what we're going to do. You see it in, in, in situations where, like, I mean, just to build on your point about looking at it as, as a resources issue. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, you see governments buying computers, mm -hmm. putting them in schools where there's no electricity mm -hmm. <laughs> or no internet access. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, what, what's that going to do? Mm -hmm. So I think we also need to look at how, how can we make it work in our context? Mm -hmm. How can we make it? How can we make the digital education? How can we deliver digital education mm -hmm. in our context? Mm -hmm. In a place where, for example, there's no electricity, yeah. how, how, how can yeah. we start to think about uh -huh. things like that uh -huh. that suit our situation? African solution. Yeah, because really, we, we, we can't mm -hmm. copy and paste at no. different levels of, of, mm -hmm. of I think while we're still on this uh, point of conversation around um, creating learning solutions that are relevant to us, yeah. not what we think, mm -hmm. you know, like, mm -hmm. And I'm also a design thinking teacher. And this is really what design thinking is all about. Awesome. But before I get to that, yeah. I would like just from your experience, within these first two years, um, you're both teachers, you're both educationists, you're both passionate about passing on information digitally. What are some of the tools yeah, that you think have been quite helpful 
with both your learning journey and then also you teaching other people like what tools have yeah. been quite essential yeah so the tools are i don't know how to say but they're, they're they're pretty standard i mean you have to have a laptop and an internet connection and it's not something that is obvious to every ugandan home that you have to find it there um so a laptop i mean you can also use your phone or a tablet i just need to have a device and these devices are expensive but yeah so tools that i use uh me in my journey, in my learning journey, for example, and I've done a lot of my, of my learning online, are MOOCs that, that uh, Banda talks about, which are massive online courses. Um, I use them a lot, mm-hmm. uh, but they're expensive. So that, that, there's that barrier, because you have to use a lot of internet to mm-hmm. be able to go through your own course. But we use tools like Zoom, because you're not going to, especially in this time where you don't have, where you're not allowed to congregate people together. Mm. So Zoom helps. Um, and other technical tools that maybe I shouldn't get into here now, but you just need to have uh, those set up to start. Uh, mm. I don't know what uh, for me, my greatest tool has been the tablet, yeah. the tablet PC, uh, because uh, look at this: um, when a child buys a tablet from me from upper pri- for upper primary, customized for upper primary, mm. I put hundreds of books, hundreds of videos, hundreds of apps. And I customize them from P4 until P7. That's Mil- the EduTab. That's the EduTab. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So to be able to have a tablet on which you put a whole library, mm. yeah, uh, allowing a child to even read ahead, mm. uh, allowing a child to read, to read from wherever they they are Without whenever worrying they about want. internet access. Uh-huh. Well. If, especially if you make it Cutting offline. Off, yeah. yeah. If yeah. you make it offline. So for me, I find that the tablet is flexible. It keeps a lot of. Uh, a battery charge for a long time. Mm. It's light. You can carry it anywhere. Um, they can be cheap mm. compared to laptops. Um, and so if you're asking about a tool that we have used to move our digital agenda, mm. really it is the tablet because it's scalable. Yeah, and also to add on that, uh, and we've been discussing this with Mbanda, we've uh, thought about um, Raspberry, Raspberry Pi. Raspberry Pi. Raspberry Pi. Yeah. So I think this is something that so we're thinking, again, how do we democratize this? Because mm. internet is expensive, mm. laptops are expensive, like mm-hmm. I alluded to earlier. So just, because a Raspberry Pi is about, it's, it's cheap. Like 100,000. What is a Raspberry Pi for those of us who do not <laughs> yeah. know? It's, yeah, it's a computer it's, uh, that, that is relatively cheap. Um, I don't know how much. 100,000. 100,000 shillings. Yeah, so compared to... 100,000 per household, I I think that's quite significant. Yeah, Yeah. compared to 1.5 or 800,000 for, Mm -hmm. for, you know. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so just just lowering that barrier again uh, to increase access. Cost barrier. is very important. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, So, I mean, I'm I'm also a teacher, for for those of you who already did not know, if you didn't listen to our first episode. And I'm just going to allude to what was mentioned in terms of how a lot of the initiatives around are trying to impose solutions onto the people. And I I find that that's one of the biggest setbacks um, for us as Africans, as Ugandans, is the continuous dependence on foreign best solutions. Mm -hmm. You know, that, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I mean, why, why am I being forced to adopt this computer or, you know, this tablet or like, why have you asked me what I want? Um, and that's, that's actually what called me into my journey of teaching, which is, um, how do you allow the people to solve their own problems? Mm -hmm. How do you inspire within the people and let them know that they have the ability within them Mm -hmm. to customize 
their solutions. And so speaking to both of you, gentlemen who are homegrown <laughs> here, Kavale, Kavale boys, all the way from Kavale to be able to realize that, hey, we can customize tablets. We can um, put all these resources on them because we understand that a very small percentage of the country or, you know, has access to the internet. Yeah. A very small percentage of households even have, you know, a mobile device that's connected to the internet that's really really key um so i wanted to now introduce the next point of conversation mm -hmm. which is now the entrepreneurship aspect mm -hmm. yeah. so we are all clearly driven by you know impact impact is important yeah. and you know we're very key about it um i would like for for you now Mbanda, to specifically um talk about caribou shop yeah. 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 Um, for those of you guys who are listening, Karibu Shop is an online, online yeah. shop that yeah. um, an e-retail shop that allows you to access share-based products. Mm -hmm. But I'll allow you to say it in a more. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. Well, um, yeah. Karibu Shop uh, is an online shop uh, with also a physical presence. I'm calling it mainly an online shop because I use online tools of Facebook. Uh, and Instagram um, and WhatsApp to promote uh, the shop. So we are also present on Jumia online. Uh, then we're on Facebook. And so we're able to deal with our customers by serving them direct to, from our shop or through our online uh, channels. Yeah, so the Caribou Shop started in March, uh, right at the lockdown. Um, it came because um, my business, uh, which is based on teaching in schools, um, stopped. Tech kids. Uh, tech kids. Tech kids. Yeah. Tech. We tried to make access to ICT skills training as cheap as possible, both for the student yeah. as well as for the school. Uh, there is no government policy in Uganda for ICT in primary. And because of that, primary kids do not get access to ICT skills training. Mm. And because there's no policy and it's not even examined, mm. and being that most of the education in Uganda is private, our private school owners are not encouraged or incentivized. Because why? Why put in all that money yeah. to do a computer lab, yeah. pay so computer professional, level. No, that affects my bottom line. Yeah. Uh, so to hell with it. Yeah. yeah so we thought that uh, we could go into schools and tell them you're paying nothing. Mm. Just give us a classroom. And the kids, instead of paying 300,000, 100,000, rather 1 million, mm. you're only paying 30,000. That 30,000 gets you access to 10 classes, mm. uh, 10 lessons in a term, mm. in which, um, uh, at the end of which you get um, an exam and, and results. Yeah, so we've been doing this for seven years, in, um, and we had about 830 students by the time uh, Corona came. Wow. Uh, yeah. So... Uh, Instead of wallowing in my misery, yeah. I decided, oh my God, I could I could really sell shea butter because I love shea butter and I love the story of shea butter. Yeah. The story of shea butter being that the whole value chain, number one, yeah. our shea butter is unique in that it's only produced in Uganda. Mm. And I thought that would be an, an opportunity for us to show the world a slice of Uganda, mm. a beautiful slice of Uganda. Then um, I, I also like the fact that, you know, wh whenever you put money in the sheer butter value chain, 
all the money stays here and the women that mm. are, are looking for these the children that are being educated it's not foreign middle no, man, no nothing no yeah. yeah and 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 if we are going to rise and get homegrown solutions to homegrown problems yeah. mm. it's important that we start to look inside for our solutions mm. so i like the story of of share but and i thought you know i can use this i can promote this i can have an impact in this area mm. yeah what so i started to make share but you wake up and go to like a lab or something uh it's i wouldn't <laughs> call lab. it a lab we're home best lab good way <laughs> yeah. yeah because you see share butter is made by god there's one product where we just get the share butter and we pack it and mm. sell it raw in its raw form in its raw form Straight not touching god. it right from the hands of god onto the skin of man um <laughs> i love that you like that it's got the hand yeah? of god the skin of yeah, man, man. <laughs> yeah and then of course uh, you can also blend it with different things just you know maybe add scent so uh, increase its ability to do something yeah so we have the blended ones as well yeah. just tell us a bit about how 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 your personal values have shaped your entrepreneurship journey and and how your values yeah you know. um i i like helping people yeah i like helping people and when i say helping people it may not be in a particular way like helping them help themselves yeah like a, like like with the education fund yeah. You're helping people by educating them, by sending them to school. Yeah. With the share butter business, you're helping people solve skin issues mm. that they might have been solving in artificial ways, mm. which are dangerous, or in improper ways, which ends up distorting their skin. Would like the listeners to remember that Mbanda is a food scientist, by the way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I have a background, a science background, so I, I find it easy to... Uh, comprehend some of these things but so uh, as I'm, i'm selling share butter i get a lot of people talking about their dark spots talking about an even skin talking about dry skin talking about all these issues Ex- eczema among the chud- the young ones mm-hmm. if if my product is able to alleviate any of these my personal values tell me that i have done a great with share butter i'm helping people with their skins i'm helping the women on the value chain with income Yeah with the the, the 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 tablets I'm increasing access mm. to high quality education how has that transition to to uh how you do it online how you promote it online and how you deliver the message to the people online all i know is that um i use the digital platform yeah to get access to more customers yeah. and to build my brand and to get an audience i mean i can i can share something in relation to how i've interacted with you advertising online yeah. um and this might also tie into ethics ethics within the cosmetic industry yeah. um a lot of the ads for a lot of the even the homegrown cosmetic yeah. industries here will typically show very very light skinned yeah. uh females yeah. um or with very straightened hair yeah. and so that sort of becomes the ideal beauty Black standard yeah. you know yeah. that that women sort of feel pressured towards yeah. um you know moving towards but your ads are different yeah. um we have all these really beautiful dark skin yeah. authentic women Black women yeah in all shapes yeah. sizes yeah, yeah. um and i hope to see a lot more of that that we yeah. don't have only one aesthetic that all women should aspire to absolutely um absolutely. so I, i i say that that's your value system absolutely sort of absolutely Like, and i hope it's even you know even more like let's have a more diverse variety of 
you know, boys, boys should care about your skin because you said you were inspired mm-hmm. um, to do this based on your personal mm-hmm. experience mm-hmm. with Shabbat. Yeah, yeah. Why don't you have men more <laughs> Yesterday, you know? yesterday I was you know? telling some men friends of mine how I take time to smear uh, Shabbat all over my body after mm-hmm. bathing. I give me these looks like... Boss, are you are you some chick or what? <laughs> no, and I was telling them, no, we need to unlearn what we learn because the idea of of smearing uh, the you know lotion or cream on your body uh, has been genderized. I mean, good you know, skin like, feels good for everyone. For everyone, it's yeah. not only for women. Young, Don't add old, the whole gender thing to it. Exactly. Yeah, yes, and I've also followed a bit even to add because I find them very educational. Some of the things that you put out there mm. because you're not just selling a product, but you're also actually educating. People oh yeah. On oh what yeah. To, yeah. On how to look after your skin. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. And things like that. So oh, yeah. So that's awesome. Yeah. And it's a homegrown solution. Solution. And so if you're telling me this is something easily accessible here, yeah, yeah. this is share butter from here, my Uganda, mm-hmm. and your your routine, I'm hearing it from another Ugandan, mm-hmm. and I'm like, okay, if, if he can did it, I can did it. I can also <laughs> did it. Yeah. So, you know, yeah. so it, that, that it's relatable, yeah. it's something relatable, mm-hmm. so that I don't have to watch L'Oreal or all of these other foreign yeah. brands, yeah, you know, yeah. all those massive brands yeah, that yeah. I don't understand what they do in their factories, how yeah. they treat their workers, like I don't know what that is. So, um, so Banda, it's been exciting just listening to you. Um, but as somebody who, during this lockdown, had to become very creative about how to set up an online retail business, um, could you share some tools that have been very essential in your journey thus far? Oh, wow, that's a, a very good question. Uh, without these uh, digital tools, business would be expensive and accessing your audience would be crazy. Um, I use Facebook um, and Facebook, of course, there's Facebook stories uh, as well as f- Facebook ads uh, to reach out to my audience, to create my brand, uh, to reach out to mi- millions of people. Yeah, I always say that Facebook is like uh, a shop on the high street in Paris. Mm-hmm. where you're able to get all these high-value customers and thousands of them entering your shop. It is up to you to convert them into customers. Um, so with Facebook, it has made my life easy. I do not need a sales team. The algorithm of Facebook goes out and hunts for my customers and brings them to my inbox. When they're in my inbox, I better convert them. Yeah, so that's where the creativity is. So Facebook allows me to focus on the creativity of converting, not on the sweat of walking to look for customers. I love that. Awesome. Also does, uh, on, 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 uh, I use WhatsApp. WhatsApp, especially to engage my customers. Uh, I create broadcast groups where I'm able to send out updates as if it were weekly magazines, mm. um, newsletters. Uh, <clears throat> so I, if there's anything new, I send out broadcasts. I use groups. I use... Um, Facebook for rather WhatsApp for business where I am able to input catalog of my products. So when you come to my WhatsApp, you can actually see my product. You can even buy them without talking to me. Mm. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So I'm, I'm, I'm using wave and, 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 and one, one money for my accounting uh, so that whatever uh, inflows and outflows of money, I am able to, you know, stay on top of them and, and watch my businesses and see whether they're breaking even or not. Um, I use Kingsoft something uh, that has Word, Excel, and PowerPoint. Yes. I can use it on my on my on my laptop to to do office documents. So I can actually do office documents without a laptop. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Um, all in all, um, and Google, Google Docs. Oh yes, what would I do without right. Google? <laughs> like a true digital hustle. <laughs> yeah. So I'm able to save all my files on Google. Wow, amazing, yeah, on on the Google Drive. Um, I am. Um, I also entered my shop into this whole Google. Is it Google Maps where someone yeah. can yes. search for you? Yeah. yeah. Even there in Google itself, in the ecosystem, if you run ads, you can actually sell in there. Mm-hmm. Although I have not started. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I find that with this whole digital ecosystem, I'm able to stay home, mm-hmm. talk to, send mobile money to my label designers. Mm-hmm. They design my labels. They send them to me on WhatsApp. I approve them. Mm-hmm. I talk to my uh, handcrafter on the phone, send them whatever money I need to send them. Um, my suppliers of shea butter as essential oils. I don't know these people. I have not seen them. I send them money. They deliver using safe border to my wow. location. Not met the people. I don't know them. Wow. I don't know them. We just talk, send each other money, move, use the safe borders. So mine is really a digital hustle. That's and and I don't have to have a big factory where I'm sitting and signing things. No, I'm able to to focus on marketing. And then use tools of collaboration to focus on people that uh, to to collaborate with people that are also specializing in other areas like mm-hmm. production, transport, creation of labels, packaging. Wow! You know all these people. Almost a hundred percent digital. Absolutely, Your real hustle. hustle. Almost hundred <laughs> percent, and it's crazy that. Yeah. that COVID was a blessing in disguise mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. because it, it forced you to wear your hat and say, I'm stuck at home. Mm-hmm. I am going to start yeah. a business mm-hmm. and I am going to make everything work all the way from production mm-hmm. to supply mm-hmm. to marketing, mm-hmm. all of that fully online. Yeah. Yeah. Um, maybe as we, as we close, would you say that it was harder than you had anticipated or a lot easier than you had anticipated? The start? Oh, a lot easier. <laughs> no, things become easier, of course, with time because uh, I'm a seasoned businessman. So there's some mistakes uh, I may not be able to do. I may see before. Yeah, over the time I've learned my how to communicate with with customers and convert them. So it helps that I've been in business for some time. So it's not been that painful. Um, and I also like to start businesses with almost nothing mm-hmm. where it is just ideas that are flowing. And then you just multiply those ideas with time and momentum and then build something big. So I'm, I'm, I'm very happy starting small. So it's not a point of stress for me. Mm-hmm. If you say, you know, you started small with no money or you suffered, no. I like Tell us some of the challenges, maybe. Yeah, that you have you have faced doing your digital hustle online, especially the Facebook advertising. Like, what are those pitfalls that you'd advise someone who's just starting to just watch out? For? Well, number one is uh, lack of uh, of knowledge in digital marketing. Yeah. If you would like to um, be a star in the digital ecosystem, it's very important that you actually learn. Yeah how to do digital marketing how what do you what does the word conversion mean mm-hmm. well when you look at analytics and they say impressions what does impressions mean uh, what about retargeting what about you know all these things you've got to really understand them understand something like the power of a studio quality picture versus a mobile phone yeah. if you don't understand such things you'll be left behind yeah. so it's very important that you put time real value time in learning how to sell online. Because I can also see it actually helping you develop a relationship with your customers. Yeah. Because usually people have that fear. If everything is online, then yeah. how do I build a really strong relationship yeah. with my customers? Yeah. Because you're not 
meeting them face to face. Yeah, yeah. So just understanding a bit more about your customer through the data. Absolutely. That, for example, Google Analytics Absolutely. can give you is is yeah. very important, and I think something that people should take seriously. There is also a problem of uh, people don't trust you. Yeah. Online? Exactly. Of course. Yeah. Who's going to send you money? Because uh, when you want to buy my product, I tell you, send me money. Yes. Then I send you the product. No one cash on delivery. <laughs> wow. Yeah. So we have those problems. And even sometimes when you do cash on delivery, you can reach there and the guy is not picking his phone. He's not there. But anyway, the point is that there is not yet uh, that much trust. Mm-hmm. So whenever a customer trusts me with their money and sends me money, I'd rather make a loss. Mm-hmm. But ensure that that customer never has a bad experience. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. So that they Very can important. preach it. They can become your disciples mm-hmm. and know that it is okay. You can send money and receive your thing. It's a very, yeah. Very, so there's very, a trust very... challenge as well. That's gold. Yeah. Those are gold nuggets mm, right there. Awesome. Yeah. Um, thank you. Thank you very much. Banda, this has been a very enlightening conversation. Thank you. And uh, yes, so you're starting small. You're learning by doing which is really, really key for, for anybody that wants to do anything. Um, where do you see yourself um, in the next 5, 10, 20, 30 years? Yeah. <laughs> yeah you, you had actually asked about um, where I see Uganda in the next 30 years. But let me just tell you where I see myself. Um, I would, I would I'd like to use continue to use business to, to have a real great impact on, on, on society. I have identified Kochli, where I did my agriculture, as an area that I would like to go and start a, a Haas avocado orchard. And in the Haas avocado orchard, uh, it's going to be in collaboration with the community in view of increasing the socioeconomic standing of Kochli. How are we going to do that? We're going to give jobs uh, on the orchard we are going to have an outgrower scheme for those that uh, want to grow their avocados not on the farm you know um we are also going to um uh, have different is it factories or industries because we are going to do avocado oil avocado oil yeah avocado oil extraction um we're going to have uh, beekeeping within the orchard which will produce propolis, honey, work, uh, honey bees, wax or whatever. And uh, we will be packing all these things uh, from Kochli and selling them to the world. In so doing, we are able to have people employed in these small little industries. Um, and then the money that was, that's going to come out of the orchard is going to be committed to sending more children to school for real education. Now, I believe that maybe 10 years of the orchard We'll be having a lot of doctors, nurses. We'll be having businesses running there. Um, yeah, and having maybe a two billion shilling economy in Kochli in five years. Well, big hopefully the shilling does not depreciate <laughs> Zimbabwe level. Um, but that's an amazing vision. And, and to our listeners out there, I yeah. think this gives a very clear example of really looking at what you have before you, yeah? yeah? Even outside of the digital space, um, this is a country that's gifted by nature, Absolutely. you know? So, so we yeah. have the soils, we have the resources. Avocados just fall 
they fall into our backyards like like no problem and the world is demanding avocados like crazy mm-hmm. so to think to really look around you and think there's the digital space which can be used as a tool um to help me access a wider market um and then there is these natural resources around me these people who are looking for jobs these farmers that are looking for you know access to even larger markets and so i hope listeners out there that you're inspired to think differently as you take your shower the soap you're using it might be a secret formula that the rest of us are willing to pay for yeah yeah um the toothpaste you're using you know buy uganda build uganda think Mm -hmm. about your end users think about the customers and how you can create something of value that appeals to them Thank you so much. We've had a lot of fun. Please be sure to go and check out the blog post related to what Mbanda just said um, on our website, which is www.digitalhustleafrica.com. That's www.digitalhustleafrica.com. We are also on Twitter. Follow us. We'll be giving away share butter and other gifts, by the way, <laughs> to random followers. So follow us. Follow us on Twitter at that's at DHA um, Digital Hustle Africa podcast on Instagram, which is Digital Hustle Africa, Facebook, Digital Hustle Africa. And we are so excited to share stories like this. Next episode, we're going to be talking about video games. So everything video gaming, um, parents who are concerned about their kids video gaming too much. We got you. People who are doing some exciting things in the video gaming world, we got you. Come and listen to some young people as they share about um, their video gaming journey. And until next time, from all of us over here. Bye-bye. Ciao. Bye-bye.